Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you looking to take your media strategy to the next level and make impact with millions of customers? Walmart Connect harnesses the massive reach of America's number one retailer. They can help you connect more meaningfully with Walmart's 139 million weekly online and in-store customers to find the right audience for your message. They use Walmart's proprietary customer purchase data to help you precisely target even niche audiences at scale. Visit walmartconnect.com today to see how they can help you find the customers you want at the scale you need. Hey, I'm sure by now you're aware of programmatic ad tech, but what is it exactly? Programmatic advertising, in some ways, is really anytime you're using software and data to make your media buying decisions. We see it in display ads, in CTV, programmatic digital out of home, and of course, audio. And new ad technologies are coming out every day. Actually, what you're hearing right now is a type of programmatic ad, or at least a hybrid. It's not programmatic in the sense that a piece of software is buying this ad right now in a real-time bidding auction, but it is programmatic in the sense that it was bought through a buying platform that matched the advertiser to this podcast. And who is the advertiser? Grapeseed Media. When it comes to the world of programmatic, they're one of the companies that knows the most about the latest advances in all programmatic. Their whole mission is programmatic that lets you play with the giants. They open the door and walk you through the entire programmatic landscape. They're the closest thing possible to an in-house programmatic team without the expense and trouble of an actual in-house team. They're completely tech agnostic, which means they sit on all ad technologies, including emerging ones, like the platform they use to serve this host red ad. If you're curious to take your programmatic further, reach out to them at grapeseedmedia.com. And thank you, Grapeseed Media, for being a sponsor of this podcast. You're listening to a special extra episode of Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, a show where we discuss trends, marketing, pop culture, and meaningful LGBTQ allyship. I'm Rebecca Stewart, Europe Brand Editor for Adweek, and as ever, I'm joined by the absolute legend that is Liz Corona, Adweek's Community Editor. How are you doing, Liz? I'm good, Bex. How are you doing after Social Media Week Europe? <laughs> really good, just about recovered, and I loved um, the last podcast that you've done with Al and Tip Top Cocktails. I was really jealous of that one. Thank you. We missed you. Obviously, we wanted <laughs> yeah, to drink yeah. with you on It sounded on, like on, it. On <laughs> But yes, thank you. But I'm excited for today. Yes, today will be good. And if you haven't listened to this week's episode, please do go and listen to it. It's a good one. Um, but joining us today for this extra episode, to my proverbial left, I have Brittany Kiefer, who's Adweek's creativity editor. And Brett hosted a really engaging, unfiltered session on LGBTQ plus marketing at Social Media Week Europe last week, which we're going to hear and fill shortly. But Brett, hello. And can you tell us a little bit about the discussion we're about to hear and why was the right time to have it now? Well, hi, both. Thank you for having me. Um, the panel was really timely because one of the big marketing stories of this year was Bud Light's partnership with trans influencer Dylan Mulvaney. And if you haven't seen that story, um, Bud Light partnered with Dylan uh, in an Instagram post 
the post got a lot of backlash because Dylan is trans and um, Bud Light's response to it was essentially to distance the brand from Dylan and not mention her at all or show support for the community. So the uh, you know that's kind of an ongoing issue for the brand its sales has dropped in the US but the the bigger picture i guess is that it it has become somewhat of a trend for brands to show support for lgbtq plus communities but it often goes wrong and or or comes across as not very authentic and meaningful so our the guests on the panel who you'll hear shortly talked about what went wrong with that specific story but what other brands can learn from it and how they can engage those communities and support them in a more meaningful way was such a good session and actually a lot of audience members um, came up afterwards to the Adweek team and just said how amazing it was and to the participants so it was really special actually. I felt that too. I was gonna say even from over here in the US um, you know we were all logging on like early trying to catch some of these sessions and I noticed like Brit, like people were talking about this session and then I saw later on LinkedIn like it was being discussed too so it sounds like it was like kind of a very raw, meaningful conversation. Did you kind of envision it going that way? Can you tell us a little bit more about like the energy that was in the room during this? Yeah, I think us as journalists and people in the marketing industry have been to a lot of panels and it's easy to get a little bit cynical about them or feel like they're just this vanity exercise. But what was really meaningful um, to observe was that two of the panelists are queer and Jack, um, one of the panelists, is a trans person who came out as trans last year and has received a lot of support from the workplace, but is really calling on brands to show more support as well. And talking about those personal experiences and why they matter, I think was just a really helpful reminder of what role marketers and people in the media and brands can play in this ecosystem. And it's really important because The statistics show that hate crimes against LGBTQ plus people have risen really dramatically in the U.S. and in the U.K. and other countries as well. And it matters what you post on social media. It matters what you do in a marketing campaign. It can either open the door for more hate or it can take a stand against it. Yeah, it was definitely a really personal and emotional panel and our listeners are lucky enough that they're going to get to hear it in full now. So thank you so much, Britt, for joining us and thank you, Liz. Thank you. Thank you both. Ready to unlock the full potential of your media spend? Whether you're looking to launch a new product, build your brand, or help increase sales this quarter, Walmart Connect helps brands make an impact with precise targeting, powerful analytics, and the reach of America's number one retailer. Walmart Connect offers solutions for advertisers of all sizes on and off Walmart's digital properties and in their stores. From cost-effective sponsored search and self-serve display ads on Walmart's site and apps to connected TV and off-site media across web and social to in-store activations and live events, Walmart Connect can help you deliver the right content to the right Walmart customer at the right step of their shopping journey. And Walmart Connect's closed-loop measurement means they can track the full impact of your campaign on sales, not just on Walmart's site and app, but also in-store. For some campaigns, they can even provide rest-of-market data that tracks the impact on sales at other retailers. 
Visit walmartconnect.com today to find out how you can start connecting with Walmart's 139 million weekly online and in-store customers. Walmart Connect, more than media, meaningful connections. Hi everyone, thanks for coming. So I thought we could start with a story that's been in the news. So earlier this year, Bud Light partnered with trans influencer Dylan Mulvaney and they got some backlash on social media And then in their statement, they didn't support Dylan or mention her at all. So it's been an interesting year for that brand and for Dylan. But Dylan recently spoke at an event at Forbes. And she said that hiring a trans spokesperson isn't enough to be truly inclusive. If you're going to capitalize on us, at least have our backs. So I was curious to hear what you all thought of this story. Uh, Jack, do you want to start? Yeah, um, so I came out as transgender two years ago and my lived experience over the last two years is I've reached my 30s, I've become the happiest I ever have in my life and when you are consistently seeing hate in the media, in, on social media as well, towards trans people, um, it's pretty brutal. We're very much in a fight at the moment um, that I feel like gay and lesbian people were about 20 or 30 years ago. We're seeing very similar comments happening. And actually, as a trans person in the UK, the last week has probably been the hardest and the toughest for me personally um, because of comments that have been made by the government, um, which has completely invalidated trans people. Um, So it has become more important than ever that brands are supporting trans people. for our right to exist, to be happy, to be free, to be who we are. Um, so I think what's happened as well with Bud Light and not supporting Dylan afterwards, um, off the back of that, uh, a brand like Nike has actually given a similar opportunity and given Dylan paid work. Again, that got a lot of backlash, but as a brand, you kind of have to accept that if you're going to be part of this fight, you are going to get backlash, but it's about knowing how to deal with that backlash. Um, that is the most important thing right now. Um, and they did respond in an amazing way. Yeah, I yeah. have their response here. We were yeah. talking about it backstage, if you want to read yeah. it for everyone so as an example. There was a, a hell of a lot of um, really, really negative comments on social media. So as a trans person, anyone reading them, it was pretty horrific. Um, but the way that Nike responded to me personally, I don't think they could have responded in a more positive way. Um, so they wrote on social media uh, towards Dylan, You are an essential component to the success of your community. We welcome comments that contribute to a positive and constructive discussion. Be kind, be inclusive, encourage each other, hate speech, bullying or other behaviours that are not in the spirit of a diverse and inclusive community will be deleted. And that's by Nike. And to me, that yeah, they smashed it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jen, what are your thoughts on, we were talking backstage about that meme of, you know, when brands show support during Pride, and then the next day, when Pride Month is over, it's over. Yeah. Um, The notion of pinkwashing has been like the sort of word that has been circulating a lot because I think it's the norm for all corporations to just basically put their logo, change into a rainbow, and call it a day. And I think I've noticed that there's a meme uh, um, that I think maybe circulated this year um, off the back of Pride where literally there's, you know, corporations during Pride Week, it's all like, you know, amped up and energy's going on. And then, and then they're saying that the day after, 
Uh, pride is literally business as usual. There's nothing going on. Um, and I think that's just a real, I mean, the fact that it's a meme, it's, 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 it's troubling. It's, 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 um, yeah, it's, it's something that is just like, this is like the norm. And so I think that it's, we have to kind of talk about how we can actually engage with the community. You know, I'm gay myself, person of color. Um, and obviously we want to be feeling like we're, we belong and we we have a place and that brands actually really take the time to really get to know us. I think it's not just trying to check off your marketing budget and being like, all right, we gotta, we gotta target the, the queer community and then that's it. That's on to the next one. It's really figuring out long-term partnerships and, um, and, and just kind of, you know, connections with, with our community on a long-term basis. It's very important. So Natalie, as a brand leader, I know you have an example of a way that you've done this in a more long-term way. Can you talk about that? Yeah, sure. So I think um, we, Booking.com really, as I said in the previous um, part of the panel, we're really there to make it easier for everyone to experience the world. And how we do that is through our technology. So we realized that um, a lot of LGBTQ plus travelers were finding it actually quite difficult to select a place to go because of perhaps feeling unsafe or not feeling welcome, etc. So we worked with a whole lot of hoteliers around the world to basically train them on inclusive language, train them on how to make LGBTQ plus people feel safe. And as a result, we launched our Travel Proud program where you can actually search on booking.com and search by Travel Proud Properties. And the properties that have been certified and have been through the training will pop up. And actually this week we hit a milestone of 50,000 properties in 120 countries, which is pretty amazing. So, and the team are just working on making sure that this is something that we're, we do all year round. So as you were saying, we, we say Pride 365 because we want to be able to be able to work with this community 365 days of the year, invest in the community, and not only put our rainbow flags up at Pride, um, but I do think that the Pride months, for example, in Amsterdam and Manchester, which we support, are very really paramount to everything that we do as a strategy because it helps us celebrate this wonderful community. And I think with all of the negativity happening, pride is a really important part of celebration. So you can have positivity and good moments. Um, so yeah, I think there's there's many things that the brands can do, but just on the, the Dylan case, I mean, I think that it's going to be a case that everyone in marketing is going to talk about for years to come of what mm -hmm. not to do. But I think it's just like stand by your people. You can't expect mm -hmm. to them to lean into your brand and then you don't support them. You know, you've got a really, in the Nike example, it's really, it's a really great one. Like stand up for what you believe in and don't back down. So if you have a question in the audience, think about that and we'll come back to that. But when we talk about, you know, Bud Light, what the kind of feedback and backlash they got on social media, maybe they're the bad example, but that kind of, um, backlash is almost to be expected for a lot of brands and other people on social media now. So what do you think brands should keep in mind if they're responding? Like, what did you like about the Nike statement, for example, Jack? Um, it kind of, to me, said that, um, you know, we are getting hate, but no matter what, we're still standing by this person. Mm -hmm. We haven't just done this, you know, it's showing that they care, it's showing compassion. And that's so important, you know, it, and if people don't really understand what the lived experience of anyone in the community is, then they're not really going to care. And, you know, to see the influence from a brand and, you know, saying that this 
they're actually still got this person's back. They're actually going to speak up and even if they're going to get more backlash, it doesn't matter to them. What's more important is that they're sticking up for this community. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Jen, what do you think? I mean, you work with brands at your agency. Yeah. I just think that like we're unfortunately living in an increasingly divisive society. So the likelihood that you're going to upset someone is probably unfortunately likely. Like, and I think you need to just kind of think that in the back of your mind's like, oh shit, we're going to get some backlash, but do we stand by this person regardless, thick or thin? Maybe that shows true representation and accountability. It's showing us, showing up that you're really willing to stand by them uh, through thick and thin. And I think that's something that's really, really important. I think it's big learning. Yeah. Well, do you think there are times, Natalie, where a brand just shouldn't speak up at all? Well, I, I think if you don't have anything that you're doing for the community, I think that it's then it is really pink washing or rainbow washing because it's you don't have anything under the hood. Mm-hmm. You can't just say hi, we're here, and then you know you don't show any support for the community throughout the year. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's problematic. Whether you're talking about like pink washing, green washing, every type of washing, you know you you can't you can't support it as a brand if you don't actively support it throughout the year. Right. Um, and we've seen many examples. I think you know at the beginning of COVID. My gosh, it feels like ages ago, but the beginning of COVID when there was obviously the BLM movement, there were a lot of brands that got a lot of backlash for jumping on the bandwagon and then doing nothing, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think just in general, be Mm truth-telling. Are there any other obvious mistakes that you think brands and social media managers are making when they try to show support for LGBTQ plus communities? I mean, I wouldn't, I would say not that I've seen in person, but I would say that just always make sure that you are actually working with people in the community and don't guess that that would be a big mistake. Um, it's best to understand what people's lived experiences are um, rather than assuming. Um, and definitely the whole rainbow, like, you know, people might have become aware, particularly this year, because there's quite a lot written about it on social media, that it's just not enough anymore. Um, you know, it gets to the day after Pride Month and then suddenly for 11 months, you've got no evidence of support and backing mm. anyone in the community. And, you know, after a while, like after a few years of me seeing that, it it becomes more brutal and it becomes a bit more like actually it really doesn't feel like they care and mm-hmm. it feels like the opposite effect. So that's really important to bear in mind. Um, and this is kind of like a bit of a detour, but um, something that is like I'm really, really passionate about at the moment. And this isn't just about supporting people. Um, when it comes to trans people at the moment in the UK and across the world as well, unfortunately, um, But there's a statistic that is actually really uh, scary, and that is in the last five years, hate crime towards trans people has gone up by 186%, Mm -hmm. and a majority of that hate crime involves violence. So, And also, um, if you're a trans person in the UK, the chance that you're going to receive hate crime and physical violence is 41%. So... This is why, you know, when physical violence is involved and when you've got the government dismissing trans people... It's terrifying because you think we're just going to see those numbers keep going up and up and up. Mm-hmm. And we're always going to exist. And now it's very much to me like I couldn't be sat here feeling more passionately about it because now brands actually have the opportunity to become part of the right side of history. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in 20, 30 years time, hopefully we will be in much more of a place of acceptance that gay and lesbian people, oh, even though there very much still is a fight there and why we're all sat here today. Um, but yeah, it, that's the reality of it. And that's why it's so important to get it right and to mm-hmm. have our back. Absolutely. <laughs> and Dylan Mulvaney did say that 
when Bud Light didn't support her, that mm-hmm. that kind of allowed that kind of online hate to proliferate on, on the social platforms. And we know that that can have reper- serious repercussions. Yeah. Um, are there any questions from the audience? We have a few minutes left if anyone wants to ask a question. There's one right back there. Oh, I can't see. Back here. Hi, thank you so much for sharing what you're going through already kind of just living in the environment and the impact that that's having. One of the things that our team has talked about a lot has been when it comes to what are the actions you're taking for the community, kind of starting as an employer, what are you doing like within your own walls? And I'm interested if you've seen any kind of best-in-class action that employers are taking to really cultivate the right dialogue and culture their employee community first to kind of have the credibility and experience to then kind of engage in a larger community. (laughs) Should I take that? Yeah, and then Jack has an interesting story as well about, but you should start. Well, um, I can just comment from my last two um, roles where before I was at Zalando and now at Booking, and I think obviously having your employee engagement groups are super important. But also something that we we realized is that Everybody is coming from such diverse different countries, et cetera, where something may be acceptable in one country is not acceptable where they are now. So I think one of the key things with the ERGs that we worked with both Zalando and at Booking.com is how do we encourage inclusive language and give, get everybody to the same page in terms of what's acceptable for our culture. So I think things like that are super important because somebody may say something offensive, mm-hmm. but they didn't realize was offensive. And then you can't really blame them for that, right? So I think the inclusive language is important. But as you were saying earlier, like having real representation from the community on these ERGs to make sure that it's very clear how they are feeling Mm -hmm. and how they're feeling supported by the company, is it starts from within. (laughs) Definitely. Jack, could you share your experience at your current agency? Because I think it's really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I actually came out as trans about two or three months before I joined Cooler. And I was working freelance at the time, so I wasn't really interacting in in an agency of any sort. And for me, joining a new job as a trans person for the first time was absolutely terrifying um, before I'd actually met anyone there. And as soon as I told them that I'm trans, I got taken under their wing completely. And they've been so unbelievably supportive of me and kind of asked me, you know, had genuine conversations of compassionately asking me, is there anything we can do to support you? I think even approaching it that way, Mm. not assuming anything again is really important, having gentle conversations. Mm. Um, But to me, where I work has actually been such a huge part of me finding myself and becoming way more confident and happy. And even like sitting here right now, you know, my life has changed so dramatically. And if your work support you, it's such a big part of your life. Yeah then it, it can actually change someone's life for the better in such an amazing way. And in all honesty, when I when I came out, um, knowing what I know about the world and how unaccepting it actually is and can be, um, it was one of the toughest times of my life. And I, and I was so scared about the journey that I was about to go on. But my workplace has actually been such a key part of me, you know, being as happy as I am today. Mm-hmm. Um and everyone just completely accepts me for who I am. There's no questions asked. It's just, they just kind of let me live happily. Like, that's all I want, you know? So, yeah, they've been incredible. Yeah. Amazing. Jen, do you have anything to add on that? No, I think I've had the similar experience as you, Jack. Like, just mm-hmm. being in a place where you feel like you could just be yourself. Because it's one thing to be like, oh, Jen, we know that you're gay. Like, we need to treat you differently. But I don't think it should be that way. Just treating people <laughs> like normal people and like everybody else. I think it's something that's 
you know, really, really important, but also just you know, feeling like you're included and you belong, uh, the sense of belonging and community is super, super important. So yeah, I think I'm, I'm also very fortunate to have that experience. Yeah, you are. Um, any other questions from the audience? I can't see you very well, but if you have a question, just wave. Do you have any advice for brands that have maybe like supported the LGBTQ plus community at times, but maybe want to make a bigger commitment or take more of an active role uh, in supporting the community? I guess I could take this. I mean, I've, I've noticed and observed brands have done it, and I think it's more... What's the evolution of our strategy? I know it sounds crazy. It sounds like a marketing plan, but um, like examples, Absolute Vodka, they've been around for supporting the community for 40 years. And it all started with one page ad on, in The Advocate, which is a, a, a LGBTQ plus um, publication in the States. And they were like, okay, that started then and they've come such a long way since then. So it's more just figuring out how we can really like be uh, adding tools and resources to the community, but also just having them be part of the conversation. So I think it's more, what can we do next? What are some other ways? The, the, the queer community is so vast and there's so many subcultures and sub elements of that community. It's having like being able to kind of give back and also support them throughout the, the journey, I think is super, super important. Um, and so, yeah, there's different sort of um, strategies around that, but obviously it's also timely in how we're living today. You know, the, obviously the trans, anti-trans rhetoric is going on right now. Then maybe there's a sort of way that really support that community in a more interesting way and a meaningful way. Mm. And there's so many um, influencers now. Yeah, exactly. Brands, you know, should be working with influencers. And if you're going to do anything to support the community, make sure you're actually working with influencers and creators who are in the community and approach them with compassion again, you know, um, don't make a huge deal out of the fact that, they're, you know, they're part of the community, but supporting them, giving them paid work, incredible that's a big way of supporting them yeah can you shout out any influencers or creators from the community just that our audience can go check out um there's a guy there's a trans guy called um jamie rains he his tag is um jamie dodger and he's on youtube he's actually got over a million uh followers and i've actually had people um say to me like when i came out they were like oh i actually follow him they've got nothing to do with anyone that's trans but they're like they find his story really interesting because he shares it so openly and it's, it's been amazing like seeing his journey over the past couple of years because he's actually getting quite a lot of paid work from brands at the moment as well um, he's on Instagram and TikTok, and yeah, he's a really great one to, to look at. But there's so many, like, as a trans person who doesn't have an influencer team finding these people for me, I've, I found so many myself, so mm -hmm. they're out there. <laughs> yeah. Anyone to add, Jenner? Uh, mine is uh, Amber's Closet. Um, it's an influencer, YouTuber, with almost like a million followers now. But um, I must say, like, I have personal stories that, like, I've watched her videos help me, like, mm -hmm. figure out my identity and figure out how to you know, coming, you know, to come out. So go figure, Amber's Closet. But uh, uh, yeah, it's it's everything from like identity and, you know, issues, queer issues and um, yeah, just having tips and some sort of like allyship around that to really help you and anybody in the community to help. Um, and that's actually what's so amazing is that there's so many people from this community that are prepared to share such personal stories on social media. And I think it's so necessary for brands to support them because yes. it's such a brave thing to do for so many people that aren't able to speak about it. So I think just as you say, there's so many great creators out there that are sharing yeah. incredibly personal stories that, you know, you, they should be celebrated versus like, you know, silenced or, you know, we were talking earlier about like all of the hate speech, which is just so unnecessary. Yeah. But I don't know if you guys find, but um, on platforms, for example, on 
the more young platforms, I'm going to say, like TikTok, it seems that it's a more um, welcoming community space. It feels like people feel very safe to share their stories there. I don't know if you would have that same. Yeah, I mean... Yes and no. It's like people do share and, and it's a really, and I agree, it's an amazing thing. It's a big part of what gave me the confidence and ability to come out myself is seeing other people live in this experience. And social media was a huge part in my journey. Um, but people that do share this, kind of, especially if you're trans, you kind of accept there's going to be hate in the comments no matter what, especially if you've got quite a few followers as well. Um, but it's just about overriding that. You can delete comments and they, they will be there. But amazingly, you know, at times I do see more positive comments than anything. And um, there's just one little more statistic that I think is really important is um, there was a survey not long ago uh, that surveyed um, the views on trans people um, by young people and what they think of trans people and it was about 75% of young people in the UK who have negative beliefs and thoughts towards trans people have never actually met a trans person and that's really important to know because when you think about the influence social media has on people and if people are seeing trans people on social media that's in a way second best to meeting a trans person so the more visible that we are the more people are going to feel like they're meeting trans people and hopefully those views kind of gradually will change and you know trans people are always going to exist we're always going to be here so we're very much in a fight but hopefully we will get there yeah Yeah. thank you so much for sharing your story and all of your stories and thank you for listening Thank you for listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and Acast Creator Network. This podcast was produced by me, Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Ahrens and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGivney at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Thanks for listening. If you expect your media investment to deliver clear, measurable results, Walmart Connect can help you get there with powerful analytics and the reach of America's number one retailer. Their closed-loop measurement uses Walmart's proprietary customer purchase data to track the impact of your campaigns on sales, not just on Walmart's site and app, but also in-store. For some campaigns, they can even provide rest-of-market data that tracks the impact on sales at other retailers. Visit walmartconnect.com today and see how they can help make your media spend meaningful. Walmart Connect. More than media, meaningful connections.